Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Bread for the People. I'm Jim Serpico. Wow. We have a very special guest today. Um, she makes me feel a little lazy. I don't know. Uh, I feel like I do a lot of different things, for better or for worse. I bake bread professionally. I, I work in television and film and manage some comedians. That pales in comparison to my next guest. You may have seen her as a contestant on American Idol. Besides singing, she plays the piano, the violin, the guitar... And who knows what else? I mean, I can only imagine. Uh, She's a baker. Thus, she's a guest on Bread for the People. She's also an entrepreneur, which I'm very interested in. She is one of the founders of one of the largest essential oil companies in the world. Please welcome Olivia Tai to Bread for the People. Olivia. (laughs) Hi. Wow, what an intro. I don't know if I can live up to the hype. You can't live up. I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can. How's your day going? I'm doing well. I just baked up some croissants. They're they're waiting for me as I'm as I'm talking here with you. All right, let's go right into croissants because I've baked croissants before, but I would say it's uh, I haven't baked them a lot. It's pretty labor intensive, isn't it? My name's Jim Serpico, and this should I start with my name? Or should I start with this is bread for the people? Do you like it like this? Welcome to bread. Or do you like it like this? Welcome. Ready? Welcome to bread for the people. Mind. Is there a script? I'm doing well. I just baked up some croissants. They're, they're waiting for me as I'm, as I'm talking here with you. All right, let's go right into croissants because I've baked croissants before, but I would say it's uh, I haven't baked them a lot. It's pretty labor intensive, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So have, did you laminate them? Did you, do you have special <laughs> butter? I, I do like to use European butter for croissants, um, but I, I don't make them often either. So, so this time I, I took a little shortcut, but, <laughs> but I usually like to, <laughs> like to butter them up. Pretty well. Croissants, it's all about the butter, you know? I hear you. Um, <laughs> now, I, I do have been following you on Instagram for many years. And, um, you know, you, you, the thing about your Instagram account that's interesting is, you know, and I'm, I'm not even joking about the introduction. You do all these things and you kind of share your life on, on the account. And 
I have noticed all the sourdough baking. <laughs> now, is it is is it simply like therapeutic? Like, w- tell us about your your inspiration for starting to bake things. Okay, so I was uh, I, I've always cooked my entire life, so I'm really more of a, a cooker, uh, according to my niece, because she was just learning that you could put er after a verb and it would make a person. So she right, co- right, right. she always called me the cooker, Auntie Olivia, the cooker, uh, and that, there's reason for that because in my family there isn't really much baking going on, uh, coming from you know a traditional Chinese household. If there's any kind of bread, it's usually steamed. So I don't know if you've seen it before, but the type of bread that um, Asian people usually make is like at dim sum and it's usually steamed. It only went baked um, probably in the most recent years once, you know, we started adapting to like Western culture. But typically it's steamed and the bread is pale white and (laughs) there's like no crust or no, there's no egg wash or anything. And so that's really the only kind of bread that I knew how to do was like, make or it was just steaming it and so once i i learned that i could make these steamed buns um which is like tasu bao i don't know have you, have you had those before yeah. well i've had i know what a bao bun is so i'm assuming that's the short term for what you just said which i can't say <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So a tasu bao is basically from um, this thing called dim sum. So from dim sum. And you have this pale white bun and inside there's uh, barbecue pork. So exactly. I really wanted to make these tasu bao buns from scratch, which is something that my family never did. So I had to look it up and I learned how to do it from YouTube. So my starter actually began as a tasu bao starter. Really? Yes. So you use sourdough starter for that? Not not. Um, active or instant yeast? Exactly. So that is a sourdough starter that all the dim sum restaurants that you go to, if they're making their dim sum from scratch, it's going to be a sourdough starter. So uh, yeah, a lot of them have had like hundred year old starters because dim sum is really old. And so they, they have these super old starters that, that they keep on using over and over again. Right. So that is what's in the tasu bao. So when I learned how to make that from scratch, I started going, okay, well, I have all this starter left. What am I going to do with it? So, yeah. yeah. And then I learned that if you do this long fermentation, this bulk fermenting on sourdough, it's really good for you. Oh, yeah. Let me, you know, I got a tasu bao story from last night. <laughs> My son placed the order for us from our local ramen shop. And unpack the bag and we all have ramen soups in the cardboard containers and he has one bao bun with short ribs in it just one he didn't get me one he didn't get anyone else one and i love those man mm-hmm. i love them they so taste good. great they're the so good the meat. but i have to watch this kid just eat his one bun i wanted to throw my soup on him but anyway i digress that's so, so that's funny. how you, you had leftover starter and yep. you get into baking sourdough. And now, at what point is this in your lifetime? I mean, this is I mean, this is definitely a pandemic project for sure. Okay. Because so okay. Yeah. Three so, years ago, got it. Yeah, and before that, I really would classify myself as a pretty bad baker. I was not good at baking, and once I met my husband and found out that he had a, a cake obsession. So then I was making a bunch of cakes because I was trying to trap him. So I did with all the cakes. <laughs> so I just made all these cakes and then and then he, he had to he had to propose. I just just 
there was a whole process. So he, uh, yeah, that's actually how I got decent at baking. I wouldn't say I'm a great baker. I'm just like a, an, a I'm a home baker, <laughs> but like a below average one. Um, but once I got into sourdough, it was just another ball game. That's just there's precision, there's timing, there's the the, the cuts, the <laughs> everything, yeah. right? So there's all these different kinds of sourdough too, and I took a sourdough class on Zoom. And then, oh, nice. Yeah. Do you remember and, who taught it? Yeah. It was actually Martha from Abigail's Oven. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. That was really, really an interesting experience. I wish I was there in person, but I, I took it yeah. from Zoom and took all the notes. And she even went through the history and, and the health benefits of, of sourdough. And then I was sold. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm never eating regular bread again. Yeah. <laughs> there are great resources online, right? I learned it mm-hmm. online as well. Yeah. Um, I, I do, I started at the pandemic, but I do long to go in person and spend some time with some professionals and see their, their workflow. I had to create my workflow by figuring it out. And I, I don't know, have any idea if I'm doing it as efficiently as I can, but, uh, <laughs> I, I think in my slow time, cause it gets cold here in New York in January and I'll probably shut my food truck down and not have any markets. I may go do something whether it's a pizza school or sourdough school i'm gonna go do something Ooh, that's really exciting i'm gonna be in new york so we might run into each other yep yep what for the winter exactly the perfect time to be there i'm actually gonna be (laughs) there nice time it is it is nice (laughs) yeah i'm gonna have to pack my parkas um Yeah. yeah so this thursday i start school at columbia so i'm gonna be going to columbia business school and i'm gonna be flying in twice a month so you don't stop. Okay, so <laughs> well, so here's what I've learned about you. You you left high school mm-hmm. at either 13 or 15. Is that right? That's right. Which one was it? <laughs> so I started college when I was 13, left high school, or you can say dropped out of high school when I was 14, and then I got my high school diploma equivalent when I was 15. And then you kind of just went to any average school that, you know. <laughs> she went to one of the greatest schools in the country, UC Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we went to look at that campus. What an amazing place. It is. It is. You're, you're, uh, yeah, I, I think my husband and your son hung out at, at SC. So that's, that's where he goes, right? He graduated SC. Awesome. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm not sure I knew that connection. Oh, that's how I found you. That's crazy. (laughs) I have to tell my son, my son graduated a little over a year ago, uh, from, from university of Southern California. And he's out there, uh, trying to find his way in the entertainment field. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Look at him. Yep. He's, uh. I guess year two of his professional life, he just moved closer to the beach, and uh, we'll see what happens. I love that. We've got to get connected with him again. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. Uh, and your your husband is a filmmaker or a video producer, or no? No, he uh, graduated from Marshall as well, and he uh, we we own real estate. That's what we that's our kind of our bread and butter. Um, and then I do marketing. I have my marketing agency, and we do. We do real estate and marketing and construction, I guess. <laughs> in between loaves. 
Yes, between the lobes, for sure. <laughs> so how do you graduate or start to leave high school that early, and why does someone make a decision like that? So I've, I mean, every time I tell this story, I think it's hard to believe because, I mean, I do, I do kind of uh, exude model minority uh, Asian stereotypical Asian girl. Like I play the piano, I play the violin. I, I went to Berkeley. I'm going to Columbia. All these things, right? And I think when I tell this story, it doesn't make any sense because I do come from a pretty broken home. So um, I grew up with. Uh, I didn't have a bed until I was like 12. So okay, <laughs> where was this? Uh, in San Gabriel. So I grew up in in California, the LA area. Okay. Yeah. Okay, because you mentioned your parents, you're first generation American, correct? I would be second, I guess, since I was born here. So my parents are not born here and my siblings weren't born here. I'm the only one in my family that was born here, yeah. Right, they lived in Vietnam? Yes. Right, so you're yeah. Chinese, uh, living in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. You come here and you live in a broken home. Yes. And was it giving you, was it causing anxiety was it giving you some issues with making friends in school like so how does that lead up to saying i'm i'm getting out of high school <laughs> so i yeah i grew up with sleeping on the floor until i was like 12 and then um it was because it was like a revolving door of refugees so there was constant yelling fighting um and then also refugees coming in because my my family also are they're really good people they just like yelling at each other so <laughs> they i know people like that there's a lot right? of italians like that right it's so similar so um yeah. they they basically are, are they're great people so they are bringing in they're trying to bring all the family over from vietnam and each of these families are living in this spare bedroom or two of the spare bedrooms they're not spare they're just bedrooms for refugees that were <laughs> we were housing for years and years and years um, and then when my dad, I think, brought enough people over, he stopped, um, you know, offering that room. And I, I finally got a bed. So <laughs> that's when that happened. And then shortly after, um, my my father got into some legal trouble. So um, what it was, I was 10 years old the first time it happened. And then the second time it happened, I was 15. Yeah, so that's when I, I left high school, 14, 15. Yeah. Wow. Now, at this young age, what people listening to this need to understand is like, I'm not just saying it. You're a professional singer. You, you've won the Thai Idol at a pretty <laughs> young age. Um, were you a singer like f as long as you could remember as a young child? I think I was a closet singer um, when I was really young you know, when you're young and you just have no inhibition, you're just, you're just going, you're just brave. Uh, I was still singing until I uh, started getting embarrassed and, and insecure. And then I was a closet singer for a few years until, you know, high school. Uh, I, I stayed in high school long enough to have a, a few solos in a few plays. And then, and then I left <laughs> and I just continued on with the performing outside of high school, um, sing for the Clippers, the Sparks, um, same for a, a lot of different professional sports games and then went on so, to compete. Yeah. I know you sang the national anthem. Um, were you 12? No. No. Were you older? I older. was 17. 
Were you scared shit? (laughs) Uh, I was pretty, I was pretty scared, scared shitless. Yeah. But I, it was really interesting because I don't know if you also saw that I I was emancipated. So um, the day that I sang for the Clippers for the first time, I just got emancipated that morning. And then I remember going into court, getting my official emancipation documents and then changing to go to the Clippers game. (laughs) And that night I sang the national anthem for the Clippers. Yeah. Now you're still going to Berkeley at this time, right? So (laughs) shortly after is when I transferred to UCLA first. Ooh. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Bruin. Yep. Got it. Got it. All right. I'm trying to figure all this out. And then where does the Thai idol come in? So it was actually Taiwan Idol. Um, Taiwan Idol, it was 2009. And um, that came, so so I went to UCLA first. And then my YouTube, I guess career, (laughs) my YouTube career, back then we, it was a, it was a joke to call it a career. Now it's totally a career. But my YouTube, (laughs) my YouTube side hustle took off and I was getting like millions of views on my covers and getting flown out to all these different performances. And I'm like going to UCLA and performing every other weekend or every weekend and living out of a suitcase and also sharing a living room with five people. It was a very interesting experience. (laughs) And so it was hard. And I, I, that's when I decided to drop out of UCLA. And so after that, I was just kind of like, okay, if I'm going to drop out of school, I better make it worth it. So yeah, that's when I started competing and I was competing. I started competing when I was 19. Um, and that was because there were just a bunch of local singing competitions here in the SGV, which is San Gabriel Valley outside of LA is a bunch of Asian people. And I'm like seeing all these posters like, Hey, there's a singing competition. If you win, you're going to win like a thousand dollars. And I was like, all right, I need to pay rent. So I'm <laughs> like, okay, I don't know if I can win, but I'll at least try. So I go and start competing to pay rent. And when I went into Taiwan Idol, I mean, at that time, I could only read certain words. So I could literally read enough Chinese to know that it was a singing competition, what time was the audition, and what date and the address. So so that was on the west coast of the U.S., the, yes. uh, the audition. Yes, because the, the station is here in L.A. Oh, so, no kidding. Yeah, so the station is here in L.A., and they broadcast internationally. So anywhere where they speak Mandarin – they're going to watch ETTV. So, so do I, they actually <laughs> record the competition in LA? Yep. Oh my yep. God. Yeah. But it wow. looks like it was in Taiwan because everything's in, um, everything is in, in Mandarin. <laughs> so, and, and forgive, this might be a stupid question, but what's the makeup of the audience? Like, or do they not show the audience? Like, how do they do that part? It's all Chinese people. So, the, Wow. Yeah. Yeah. The community here is huge. So everybody in the audience speaks Mandarin, everybody competing speaks Mandarin. And, and so we're all just in this competition. But um, when I showed up for the audition, I had no idea that it was a TV show. Wow. That's it. That's crazy. <laughs> so obviously that audition goes well and it's only one audition. Um, no. So it's that, that one round. Ra- so it's a lot different from American Idol. So you go through the rounds and then I, I make it through to the next round. And then there's just a bunch of rounds in this TV show because it's a whole series. So I actually got voted off for one of the rounds and then voted back on because I had 
fans from YouTube that helps me <laughs> come back to life. Um, and that's oh how God. I won. Yeah. And then how soon after that do you get discovered by American Idol? Is it the kind of thing where you have to wait on the line or they have like, they know who's who a little bit. And since you won that competition, they, they went after you. So I think they actually found me because of my Instagram. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I feel like in the U.S., because we are very focused on our own media and what's going on in our own country, and then other countries focus on our media, but we don't really look at other countries' media, right, that, as much. Mm -hmm. So I don't think they knew too much about the whole Taiwan Idol thing. They just kind of found a cover on Instagram, and they were like, hey, do you want to audition? So um, I, I did get to that point, like when I when I finally got onto the show, because I auditioned for them like 10 years in a row and never got through. Uh, and so I just kept on auditioning for American Idol, like a crazy person. Uh, I just didn't give up. And then when I finally got on the show, <laughs> it was when I just finished writing like 200 songs, I didn't remember any covers. And oh so I just went in there and I, I, I did, I had to memorize, I think it was like a, a Lauren Hill cover, the Fuji, what is it? The Fugees or something? The Fugees. Yeah. What did they sing? Strumming uh, my pain with my big fingers. Yeah. She does that song. Uh, okay. Yeah. So that one, I don't know about copyright stuff on your podcast. So that's it's fine. <laughs> and then I, I barely knew it. I was singing it for a friend's birthday and and then I, I just sang that song because I didn't know any other covers at the time. And then they were That's like, That's actually okay, a cover. She was covering cover. someone else. Yes. Yeah. Of uh, yeah. Roberta. Roberta. Roberta Flack, probably. Roberta Flack. Yeah. So it, then yeah. I sang that song with the guitar. And then they're like, sing another one. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, I don't know what, I, what to do. And then I remember that I sang. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A another cover of uh, Bruno Mars. So I did a Bruno Mars cover with, with a can. It was like the cup song was really in at that time. So you would like do a cup thing. So I did a cup thing, but with a Bruno Mars song. And then that's how I got in. <laughs> to the wow. show. Wow. Yeah. So who else was around? I've watched every... I'm a big American Idol fan, actually. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, so who who was who were the judges that season? That season, it was Harry Connick Jr., uh, okay. Keith Urban, and Jennifer Lopez. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks. Um, was it a good experience being involved with that show? I thought it was really fun. I learned so much. I, I definitely got... Uh, it was a very different experience because, you know, you're watching the show and as an audience member, you're thinking, well, this is a, is a singing competition, right? But I would say right. that it was like 99%. I like to use the 80-20 rule, but this in this case, it was like 99% reality show and 1% singing competition. So that was really interesting. I made some really cool friends. And I mean, it's hard to get to, you know, like the top 100 
of any season. So it's, you know, we're all just trying to hang on by a thread. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm just amazed by the talent on those shows, uh, especially American Idol. Like, Mm -hmm. and some of these people haven't had any training. It's just like, there's something that was given to them. I don't know how they do it. Did you have much training? I mean, you play a lot of instruments. You sing. Um, how, how, how do you do that? So, um, when I went on American Idol, I was already teaching voice for a few years. Um, I I didn't really start training my voice until maybe late teens. And then shortly after I was certified to teach voice. And then I just taught voice for, for a little bit, but I mean, teaching voice is really just more about teaching our students how to do, how to sing properly. And uh, I did kind of focus on artistry a little bit, but artistry is really interesting because you you can't really, I don't know. Can you really teach artistry? (laughs) I I guess you can. Yeah, you you can. I don't know. Um, I don't know either. Um, uh, I think it's a mental thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it also might come with age. And I mean, I could tell you just as a human being, I'm very different at this age than I was 30 years ago, and I'm more comfortable. I could be on camera now pretty easily. I don't think I could have done it as a young person. Um, mm. So it's interesting. Um, but what about the instruments? Violin. <laughs> like you're playing violin by ear or you're taught violin? Yeah. So I played classical violin from um, public school. Like they offered a, a music program, and I, I begged my parents if I could participate in the free music program all they would have to do is is front the money to rent the violin so i was renting violins or my parents were were renting it for me for um like three years maybe we rented violins and then um when they realized that i was playing on this rented violin and i was i was decent i was getting um I was like, there was like these little competitions in school and I was winning those too. So they were like, okay, maybe she has some kind of skills. And I was like, I don't know. I might just be getting lucky. (laughs) So actually every time I win something, that's kind of like my first, my first thought. It's just like, I must've lucked out because there's a lot of talented people in these competitions, but (laughs) I don't know what happened. Um, So yeah, um, I was winning these things and they finally were like, okay, let's buy her a violin. And it's the same violin that I have right now that I've been playing on, on all the tours and everything. Um, eventually like in the like 2014, I was part of a band for a little bit. And that's when I learned how to jam on the violin. So it was all classical up until that point. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, okay. I guess I've learned enough violin to know how to improvise. So I was basically just learning how to improvise on the violin um by ear just by, by ear. ear yeah yeah you're so, not studying um sus chords or not anymore I, after that so I, I guess learning violin for so many years like the like just classical violin yeah with the exercises we did like wolfart suzuki all those different uh-huh. like methodologies and um after learning those for for several years i was just playing by ear so the last nine years i would say i've been playing by ear um piano right. too same thing <laughs> right are you interested in music theory do you study theory yeah so i was a music major for for two years i i like uh like any typical college lost college student i changed my major seven times so um yeah i was in music i was a music major and i went through like the whole thing seven times so i have a ton of college credits for like no reason so (laughs) i have um yeah two years of credits in like music i did theater for a while 
I was a history major. I was a psych major. <laughs> it's just so many, so many of the prerequisites that I finished all, all, all in those years. <laughs> you ever watch this guy on YouTube named Rick Beato? No, who's that? He is, uh, you should check it out. Check him out on YouTube, Rick Beato, B-E-A-T-O. Uh-huh. He has become, in the last six years, he's got a few million subscribers now. He has, like, Sting. Um, the, like, the biggest people in music now recognize him, and he interviews them. But he talks a lot about music theory and improvisation. Um, yes. I have seen his videos before. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he plays he, a bunch of instruments, too. He does. Yeah. He was my jazz teacher in college. No way. Yeah. So I studied music in Ithaca College, and he was only five years older than me. Wow. And uh, he only did it for three years. And then I hadn't heard about the guy until six years ago. And it was very exciting to, to watch this happen because we always thought he was like a, a, a star. Like to mm -hmm. us, it was just crazy. It was crazy. He was the same stuff he's talking about now. He was talking to us about, and um, that, and now to see all these really well respected and literally some of the best musicians in the world sit on his show. It's it's fascinating. Wow. It's uh, really cool to see all that stuff. That's amazing. Are you from Ithaca? Um, no, I'm from Long Island, New York, and oh. I went I went up to Ithaca for the music program. Wow, that's amazing. That's awesome. Unlike my sons who applied to 16 schools, I think I applied to two. <laughs> and I got into Ithaca and I went. I didn't think, I don't even think I toured it. Wow, I, I amazing. <laughs> it's a different time. Yeah. But uh, I ended up graduating with a music and business degree. Oh. And, and, and uh, didn't really know. I didn't have a plan going to college. Like music is an odd career, uh, uh, school choice, unless you know you want to be a teacher, I think. I don't know. I think so, too. Uh, I, I, that's kind of why I, I went through the first two years of it. And then I, I kind of just, I was like, okay, what are, what's left of the upper div, right? And if right. I was going to go into like vocal performance, I was really just going to be singing classical for the next two years. Exactly. And I wasn't in yeah. interested in that. I'm still not interested <laughs> I mean, maybe. And I don't know if you were, but I was surrounded and, and nothing wrong with it. I, 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 it's amazing that these people choose to be music teachers, right? But they knew that's what they wanted to do. Yeah. At least 80% uh, of the people in the music school. And I, I knew I didn't want to do that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't regret doing the music thing at all. Because um, once you have that, and that background, you, you find ways to use it in life or just even listen to it and appreciate music a different way. So I love that. Now, what about the Backstreet Boys? You you ended up opening for the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> boys to men. Um, oh, boys to men. It was boys. <laughs> they're boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Boys think, to men. I think the, boy, the boys to men are, are definitely men now. So they're, <laughs> they're grown. <laughs> um, it was really fun. Um, that was when, uh, shortly after moving to Hawaii, um, and I, oh man, that was a that was an interesting time because Hawaii is a very um, clicky state. <laughs> it's a, it's hard to break into the state because, um, I mean they're 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 kind of just 
into, you know, their own world a little bit. And I think what happened was I I had to basically leverage that I have an auntie in in Hawaii and I, I might have some Polynesian blood and I kind of got into the industry there that way and it kind of led to the the pinnacle which is opening for boys to men and and writing songs for all these different tv shows that all came out of hawaii so uh, that uh, that i'm just so grateful i mean i learned so much just performing in hawaii and being an artist in hawaii it's it's a it's a very different ball game over there it's way different from la (laughs) i could only imagine and how long did you spend there i lived there for five years honestly yeah five wow that's a long time and then (laughs) how do you segue you do all this stuff and then you start you you help found this company in essential oils yes how does how does that happen so i was um i was always as you know i'm sure um i'm always doing like 50 things at once and i find that that's maybe my my comfort zone um, ever since I was a kid, I've always done that. I've always had a lot of extracurriculars and as an adult, I still have a lot of extracurricular activities going on. Um, and one of them was being kind of a, a health, a health freak. Like I was, I just was really into health and that started in 2011, I would say 2000, maybe in 2009, 2010. So, uh, 2010s, early 2010s is when I started my health journey. And many years before that, it was yoga. So I was kind of on this like juice, yoga, vegan, raw vegan kick for a while. Like it was a, it was a good, it was a good decade. I would still say that I'm kind of in it, but not, not really anymore. I'm just, I'm just a flexitarian now. I eat whatever I want, (laughs) but for a while it was, it was pretty intense. And, um, uh, that's kind of how I got into essential oils, um, in general. And then during the pandemic, I, um, was representing and and working with, uh, doTERRA for uh, full time because I wasn't, I wasn't going to be able to perform during the pandemic. All my shows were canceled. (laughs) Everything was just canceled. And so I was like, Oh wow, this is kind of a perfect opportunity for me to explore a, a huge part of my life that I haven't really told my audience because everything was very niche for a while uh, it was just all music 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 bikini photos music music <laughs> and so i was like hey maybe i should start talking about this because it's really a huge part of my life um so yeah that's how it all started and and then um i built a, a huge team in doTERRA so we're we're close coming in coming up to five thousand people on my team now and we're just doing essential oils and, and making stuff from scratch with co- not just with cooking, but with uh, skincare and everything, everything. That's amazing. Now, is this part of the inspiration to go get a master's degree at Columbia? So part of the inspiration to get a master's degree um, at Columbia um, is, <laughs> I should probably give a shout out to this too, but uh, it's, it's Columbia or Cornell. <laughs> but <laughs> we'll we'll go into that later. But yeah, Columbia. Um, I really wanted to explore getting 
getting an official degree in business. Um, all of these years since I would say like 2004, I came from a family, although broken, uh, very business oriented. So it, I feel like it was almost like a caste system. Like great, my great, my great grandfathers were all businessmen. And then my, my grandfather is a businessman. My, my father is, my brother is, all of my siblings are, we're all business people. Um, but none of us have an MBA. So I was like, okay, you know what, maybe it's time because my sister's a lawyer, my brother's a pharmacist. So we've got a JD, a doctor. And now I'm like, okay, you know what, maybe it's, I'm supposed to go get an MBA. And so honestly, I applied for all these schools and I did not think I was going to get into any of them <laughs> because I was like, I don't know, would they accept someone like me? I don't know. I'll just try. It's a lot of essays. <laughs> but, yeah, it sure is. Yeah. That, but that's really the, the motivation here is I have so much experience in, in entrepreneurship and I've owned nine companies in nine different industries and I never really had formal training. So I'd really like to get that down. <laughs> That's so cool. And where does Cornell come into it? So I actually got into Cornell first. And um, I I was waiting on Columbia. And I hope they never listen to this because <laughs> I don't think they want to hear this. But I got into Cornell first. I, I waited on Columbia. And um, the day before I was supposed to go to Ithaca to visit Cornell for our orientation week, I got a call from Columbia, got into Columbia. So I had to had to have some time to to figure out if I wanted to go to Columbia or Cornell. So I I had to tell Cornell, hey, can I defer this? <laughs> so really, I have until next year to decide mm. if I I should basically go back to Cornell um, if this whole flying thing doesn't work because Columbia, I'm going to have to fly twice a week to New York from LA, and that's not a short flight. So. <laughs> Wow. The, the, the that's how you're going to do it? You're going to commute? That's the plan. So I'm going to go at least one semester and see how much I can handle and go from there. Well, but how would how would you do Cornell? That's a harder commute. So Cornell, <laughs> uh, they have a special program where they actually have a um, boardroom. So I would get my degree, and, and it's a dual degree program. So I would actually be getting my degree from Cornell and Queens. And then they have boardrooms all over the world. So I would be attending school on the weekends at a boardroom in LA at six in the morning because wow. it's New York time, right? So I'd be going to the boardroom here rather than flying to New York twice a week. I'd be going to a New York uh, or an LA boardroom. That's fascinating. I got to hear the outcome of this. This is crazy. <laughs> so what do, what do you do with music now? Like <clears throat> as, as we wrap things up here, you, you get your, you're going to get a degree from somewhere. You're going to continue to start companies. Are, will you always make music? Will you always sing? I think that's just part of it. Like I just picked up a, two new instruments for fun. So I'm learning how to play the drums now and the Chinese harp. And I'm just always going to keep doing music stuff because, I mean, I, I'm signed to um, a uh, sync agency. So they basically place my music on TV shows and commercials and films. And it, it just never dies. It just keeps on going. <laughs> and what about Brett? Oh, Do you give up Brett? You know what's crazy? I, so because I was preparing for this podcast, I was like, you know what? Maybe I should 
bake something because I've been busy for, for actually a few months. And so I, I took out my starter and it, it died. No. John Are you Doe, sure? John Doe is dead. I've fed him now. Why do you see mold on it? No, I don't. That's the thing. I was like, wait. I don't think it's, it's dead. You don't think I could, it's dead? I don't. I could connect you with, with a doctor and starter. <laughs> okay. I'm serious. I don't think it's dead. It's very yeah. hard to kill starter. I, that's what I was thinking. I've, I've left him in the fridge for a long time and he has never died. But now I'm, I, I've already fed him like four times. And oh, he's okay. not coming back to life. How much time do you give between feedings? In this case, oh, right long now. Time, long time, uh, kind of a long time. Just because, uh, so I was feeding it and then I, I set the timer for four hours. I'd check on him and he's not, he's not growing. Yeah. So I was it like, will. okay, let me wait. So then I would wait another few hours and then he was still not growing. And then I was like waiting another few hours. And you know, you can tell when like, even if it's surpassed, it's, it's dome growth, you know, it'll just like kind of sink down, but you'll see it kind of like climb up. Right. It never rose. It just never, it just, so I was like, okay, maybe I need You're going to have to keep feeding it. I'm going to connect you it. with a sourdough doctor, a starter doctor, and we're going to get this thing back. It's not dead. Unless you see mold, it's not dead. That's no. my opinion. Me too. That's what I was like, wait, I've already fed him like so many times and I'm feeding him whole grain, whole wheat. We'll get it back. Yeah. Yeah. He just needs some bacteria in there, there or something. <laughs> All right, Olivia, really great chatting. Yes. Thanks for spending the time, and uh, I'll be in touch about your starter. Sounds great. This episode of Bread for the People was brought to you by Side Hustle Bread, Long Island's handcrafted artisanal bread company. Side Hustle Bread is a family-run business that's bringing the neighborhood feel back to Long Island one loaf at a time. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to head on over to iTunes and rate and review this episode. Reviewing and rating is the most effective way to help us grow our audience. This episode was produced by Milestone TV and Film. I'm your host, Jim Serpico. Blessed be the bread, everyone.